Hey there, everybody. This is Matt Tilly, and I'm here with Craig Faust. How you doing, Craig? Doing well. You are listening to Mental Health Insights in the Bible. This is where we connect mental health insights with the biblical narrative. Uh, as we go along, we realize that there are everyday things in these old, old, old stories that we experience in our daily life, uh, and yet they're connected with these these stories that we might quickly dismiss or read as fiction even. Um, but that's not the case. And we can find that there's a lot of uh, beautiful things that we can learn and take from them and apply them to the way that we live our lives today. Uh, today we are continuing to look at the story of Noah. Right. So I think the question that we may want you guys to have in your mind is what does righteousness and blameless have to do with mental health? And really, what does violence do to mental health and just how we interact? And we're going to look into the story and explore those answers. Absolutely. Uh, there was a lot of violence going on in this time uh, of Genesis 5, 6, 7. Um, and the language that is used here just seems so condemning and so, so sad. Um, in... Genesis 7, no, Genesis 5, the Lord is naming how he was sorry that he had made them. Um, excuse me, Genesis 6. Uh, and one of the first instances of this violence, of which Noah was not a part of, that Noah walked separately, differently from that. He was distinct. He was holy, blameless, like we had talked about. Uh when the man, when man began to multiply in the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. Um, and then later on down the paragraph, um, these were, and the Lord regretted that He had made man on the earth, and it grieved Him to His heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. Pretty intense language. Yeah. And I I think it's such a big deal, right? So God talks about um, right there, the son of God, right? And Jesus is the son of man. Right, that's that's the verbiage used. So right here, when it says "Son of God," it's making a distinction between them. This does not appear to be um, like Adam and his descendants or, or anything like that. This is separate, and this is a huge rabbit hole that that we can mm-hmm. go down, and and that we're not because we're not you know biblical scholars. But feel free to look that up and to look at some of the different uh, theories around this. Um, but one of the large ones is like this is the Nephilim and they're giants. Mm-hmm. These, these are people. This is a people group that's going to show up in the story again, and a lot of times they are a corrupting force. Mm-hmm. Um, and they cause a lot of issues in later biblical narratives. Yeah, but the the focus of the story isn't surrounding them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not the true enemy, quote unquote. Uh, but they cause problems, and it's a, a representation of violence, wickedness, corruption. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not good. All right. Yeah. A lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about here. So you have the corruption of the earth that is happening, and I think it's really important, right, that God is drawing some type of parallel between the corruption that's happening in man and how it's going to affect the earth. 
And, you know, this is probably something that's easier for us to see today than it, it may have been for them to see mm-hmm. previously, right? The corruption of human beings, we are charged with being able to take care of the land, taking care of the animals, right? That dominion that we've talked about previously. And there can be a part of us that will abuse the land and abuse animals in a way that may be more profitable for us or maybe in a way that's just irresponsible to later on, later generations. So it's like I said, I think it's a little bit easier for us to understand this concept than it may have been for even the ancient Hebrews that may have been reading this. I think you're probably right because there was only one person <laughs> who was exempt from this. Well, and his family, right? One person who found favor in the eyes of the Lord from Genesis 6 verse 8. You know, I hear that phrase often in in today's world, you know, you know, the world's just getting worse and worse, and usually from any older generation. Right. You know, whatever older generation it is, I feel like I have consistently over my 30 plus years of life heard that named often. Mm -hmm. And there's some truth to it, even though that there's some beauty and dignity in the world as well. But I think we are so much more mindful of where we see corruption, where we see our hearts kind of sliding backwards away from what, you know, God has intended for us. Um, Right here, it doesn't seem like anybody's really clued into it besides Noah. Right. And this is such a big deal, right? Um so as we're kind of reading a little bit, right, um, this is Genesis 6, and we actually start to talk a little bit about Noah, that, you know, Noah is <laughs> Noah is a righteous man. This is, sorry, sorry, this is uh, Genesis 6, verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation, Noah walked with God, so he had some type of relationship there. Indeed. This is a callback to Eden, right? Walking with God in uh, Eden, which is a big deal. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Uh, sorry for my pronunciation. Um, so we want to talk... Good luck doing that with all of the names in Scripture. Right. And... You know, whenever we were reading through this, I just talked to Matt, like, hearing that word righteousness. This is something we're going to hear a lot in the Bible. And I think this is important for us to talk about. And, you know, mental health-wise, what happens whenever we have so many different decisions to make? Whether or not it's small decisions, like what type of brand toothpaste am I going to buy, or it's big decisions, like what are you know what am I going to do with my finances and how I'm going to budget, um, or even just like societal decisions, you know, what are we going to do about like death penalty, or what are we going to do about the environment, whatever it may be, that the more options that we have, the larger toll it takes on our brain because our brain goes like it's going to automatically go through all these options and try to predict the future and the outcomes that are going on. And that's just how our brain's usually wired to do, right? Mm-hmm. It, you, when you present it with a problem, your brain is going to go through possible solutions. And a lot of times this can happen unconsciously. 
a lot of times. But the thing is, that takes mental bandwidth. It takes energy. It takes up something in us, even if we don't always recognize the toll that it's taking. And this idea of righteousness isn't that we're taking the easiest path. In fact, a lot of times when someone's righteous in, in the Bible, you're going to see they're actually going to go through a lot of trouble. Um, and we're going to see this with Noah as you know he's going to build this ark, and it's going to take a really long time. I think it, roughly, guys, it's hard to interpret it uh, super easily, but... Our, over a hundred years of working on this ark, that's a long time to be committed to something. Totally. And you're going to find that a lot in the Bible where a lot of people that are righteous or they're committed to God, uh, this isn't a quick thing that happens, right? God's timetables usually take quite a bit of time uh, to come to fruition. So righteousness is about ha- like making a decision, right, that is in line with God and being able to stay with that decision, mm-hmm. being able to continue to be committed to it, that doesn't mean that you aren't conflicted by it. It doesn't mean that you don't really want to do what God is asking you to do, mm-hmm. right? But, you know, I can sit here, right, in our modern times, and I can be conflicted about something. In the United States, uh, where we're recording this, a lot of people are conflicted around this time of the year that we're recording it because tax season's coming up. Hmm. People are conflicted because Americans don't like to pay taxes, you know, for all their different reasons. Um, you know, and the thing is that we could be conflicted on something but know that it's also the right thing to do. And because of that, most of us will end up following a certain path forward, mm-hmm. right? We will... And the thing is, the more conflicted we are about it, but the more we're able to stay solid in our stance, then the easier it is for us to continue to kind of like blot out some of those other decisions. The easier it is for us to kind of fade away some of those things. Mm-hmm. So um, and just to give you a couple of good mental health examples, right? Uh, exercise. I know that it's good for me. There's tons of research out there that, that it's good, but... The thing is, I don't really like doing it because I don't like pushing myself very hard. Traditionally, I'm a very lazy person, <laughs> um, and, and and I don't like working hard. So the thing is that uh, even though that's something that I'm called to do, right? So not necessarily work out, but work hard. So the thing is that even though I don't like doing it, the fact is that I've tried to set my life up in such a way that it makes it easier for me to make that decision. Because me being healthy is important because the healthier and healthier that I am, the easier it is for me to try to stay on a more righteous path and the easier it is for me to make decisions that are good for myself and my family and hopefully community at large as well. Yep. So there is a there is a certain framework that righteousness offers that's good for our mental health because it eliminates some answers or some possible uh, decisions that we may make could be more corrupting that could lead to more strain on our mental health later on right but if we get in the habit of being able to make hard decisions hard calls Mm -hmm. that we don't love but we know that are good Mm -hmm. we can believe the truth about how they are good for us or why it is right to do rather than prioritizing you know our own feelings over it 
I don't want to work out over. I know that working out is actually going to help increase my lifespan, give me more time with my family. That is going to give me an easier day to day where I feel more energized and able to be present and aware with people that I'm with. Well, that in turn, I think gives us the, the internal mental muscles or the spiritual muscles that we need right. to continue making hard decisions to do the right thing, to follow truth, what we believe to be true, even if it makes us uncomfortable. And sometimes following a righteous path, well, maybe often following a righteous path, can be pretty darn uncomfortable. Yeah, and a lot of times it's flexing those muscles. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, those kind of spiritual muscles, those more righteous muscles, right? There is a lot in the Bible that talks about uh, denying the flesh, uh, different pleasures. And, you know, even just kind of later on, right? And later on, I think I mean like the next passage, right? Now the earth was, so this is uh, Genesis six eleven. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence. God saw the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all the flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. So corrupted their way, that's a callback to people deciding good for themselves, right? And they're trusting in their flesh to guide them instead of God. Uh, so God said to, to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So pretty big, heavy stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Just what Matt was talking about earlier. This is this is heavy thing. So the corruption that happens inside us whenever we choose things that are constantly just for pleasure. Uh, whenever I first came into uh, counseling, it was through substance abuse counseling. So a lot of times like, you do get this. There's an impulsiveness towards things that are pleasurable for us. And the problem is that if we are always turning towards things that are pleasurable for us, a lot of times those things build up. They stack up. I, you know, I just went to Sam's yesterday, and my son wanted some Skittles. So Sam's Club, for those of uh, you that don't know, here in America, it's basically this superstore where you can buy bulk items. Um, and I usually go there for shopping because you buy bulk, you get cheaper, and uh, I'm, I have pretty simple taste as far as things that I like, so I don't mind buying bulk things. Man, I hope that people outside of America are listening to this right now. That would be awesome mm-hmm. that we have to clarify what Sam's Club is. But yes, Sam's Club is connected with Walmart, right? Yeah, yeah. so I, I go in there. My son wants some Skittles, so I buy this container of Skittles, and it's it's big. And the thing is that, like, sugary candy, you know what? That tastes really good. Um, so I tell myself, you know what? I'll just have a couple, a handful. Mm-hmm. You know? I think you're a sweet tooth, Craig. Oh, yeah, totally. I'll have a handful. Well, you know what? That handful turned into five handfuls of it. So me following pleasure mm-hmm. in that moment mm-hmm. actually led me to overindulge more than I wanted to. Mm. And the thing is, that's that's a little bit of taste of what we're talking about. Like whenever we start to listen to our flesh over maybe what God wants for us, or we start to listen to our flesh to make decisions mm-hmm. that can get us off a certain path, right? Because 
it, you know, and, and that's a kind of funny example, right? Talking about Skittles, but let's actually follow this through real quick. So uh, I'm used to eating sugary things because, you know, I, I'm telling you right now, I got plenty of Skittles left. <laughs> I got about another hundred handfuls oh, <laughs> in, this, in this container. So what happens there? I start to consume a lot of sugar. The, you know, the bacteria in my gut that feed on the food that we eat is now being multiplied because the bacteria that can consume sugar grows. So you know what that bacteria does is then it sends signal to my brain, like whenever I get hungry, to crave more sugary things. So that means that I'm going to be more prone to eating sugary things. Well, you know what doesn't bode well for a healthy body? Processed sugar. Mm-hmm. Really bad for a healthy body. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I'm fighting, literally, the cravings of my flesh and and trying to kind of push against that every time that I get hunger pangs, which yep. is every day. And you know what? A lot of times with our body, it's hard to say no after a time, especially if we're in the practice of giving into it. So, you know, I can easily fall into a pattern here of where I start to eat inappropriately. Mm-hmm. And then that inappropriate eating could lead to me eating more sugary things, more candy things, me becoming more unhealthy, me gaining unhealthy, you know, me mm-hmm. gaining weight and, mm-hmm. and all the health issues that could come along with that. Let's just keep on playing this through, right? So then I want to have those foods. So then I purchase more of those foods to bring into my home so that my family can consume. Because guess what? Now they're seeing them all the time as they're around too. So then we start this process of something that actually really seems innocent. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying this that like, hey, don't go buy Skittles, right? It's going to lead to unpleasurable <laughs> things. But I actually am. Because that is introducing a, a dynamic where I have to make a choice there and my brain's going to be wired to try to make the easy choice unless I actually step in to intervene. And the thing is, we're reading during this time, nobody's stepping in to intervene with this. In fact, we are seeing that people during this time, they're turning to violence, mm-hmm. cruelty towards each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one clear example that we get outside of just the general violence, which is, I mean, horrible enough, uh, that the sons of God saw that daughters of man were attractive, and they took. They took as their wives any they chose. I think that's a pretty solid example of how, well, whenever we feel that we want something, we just go get it. Mm-hmm. Right? And that was a perversion of the dominion that God intended for men and women to have on this earth. Right. It was saying, I will rule not just the land that you've given me and caretake, but I will dominate. That domination is not meant to be a part of what it means for us to have dominion. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think this is kind of easy to see, right? Like whenever you think, uh, you know, just a quick example. Um, very early on, uh, we discovered something called crop rotation as, you know, as uh, human beings. And it makes a lot of sense. We're supposed to give the land a rest. This is something that's actually mentioned in the Bible. Um, makes the land more fertile. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it makes it, you know, it produces more. Mm-hmm. And we know scientifically now, well, like that's because plants, they take up a lot of different nutrients from mm-hmm. the ground. 
And if those nutrients are taken year after year after year after year, it will deplete the land and it will stop producing as much. Mm -hmm. But if you let the land rest, then it will actually build that back up so that it can still produce bountiful harvest. Um, This kind of same thing is, you know, and that's kind of taking care of the land. That's exercising that dominion, right? That means that we're planning for different things like that. Same thing goes for like human beings, right? Where we are called to notice and recognize the cravings of our flesh, but just because we notice and recognize doesn't mean that we have to abide by those same types of cravings. Mm-hmm. And violence is an easy craving to get into uh, because you're trying to establish some type of dominance. You're trying to like control a situation. There's a lot of different ways that violence can take place uh, mental health-wise that if someone is introduced to violence, it will affect their brain greatly as far as like increasing aggression. It could also make them more timid depending on like if mm-hmm. their violence is able to get them what they want or not. Um, this is one of the many reasons that uh, there's a lot of research around, you know, not physically harming your children, right? So like, you know, in America, there's always this huge debate about like spanking your kids mm-hmm. and, and everything like that and disciplining them that way because a lot of times when people have violence enacted on them, they become more likely to enact violence on others, mm-hmm. um, including those people that were violent to them right. <laughs> at some point. So violence breeds more violence, but it also affects our brain in the fact that it will cause us to have more aggressive and impulsive behavior mm-hmm. because that is more apt to survival, right? If I am used to right. whenever I do things wrong that I get beat by my parents, well, that means that uh, me learning at that age that violence is something that is appropriate if someone does something that I don't want, mm-hmm. and that's something that I could do on my children, but it also means that you know once I get old enough, I may enact this against my parents. I may enact this against other people. You know, A lot of times that people are abused, they mm-hmm. abuse others, right? Bullying and different things like that. And Violence in this case, um, you know, we can interpret it any different way that we choose to. Here's how I choose to interpret it. There's physical aggression. There's emotional aggression, right? Mm -hmm. Emotional aggression where you are, um, like, emotionally abusing someone. This is kind of a term that we use today, right, where there's emotional abuse and physical abuse. So, you know, if I'm in a relationship with my wife and she says something that I don't like, the threat of physical violence to force her to do something that I may want to, or, or like if I have physically enacted violence on her to, you know, quote unquote, uh, try to keep her in line mm-hmm. or anything like that, that's going to have devastating effects because yeah. then I, like that relationship, that bond that we have is no longer going to be as open. It's not as safe. Clearly, totally, it's yeah. not as safe, especially if I feel like my way is always correct. So mm-hmm. then I have corrupted that relationship, yeah. And sometimes it may even be like it may even be something that could never be recovered. Uh, but it's not a lot different than even like emotional abuse, right? Mm-hmm. So if like I'm cursing at her, I'm yelling at her, I you know, I have a temper and I fly off the handle really easy. So part of our responsibility as human beings is to be able to recognize those violent tendencies in ourselves mm-hmm. and to be able to curb them. 
Yeah. It's clearly something that God does not see as good. No, but it was something that clearly was very attractive for mm-hmm. what we know of the the world as a whole, all of culture, besides Noah giving not giving into it. Um, and I think it makes sense because God has given us a good mm-hmm. desire to have dominion over the world. Right. And when the fall happened, all of these good desires that God has given us, which are right and appropriate, got twisted, right? So all of a sudden, whenever we can just get our way by taking what we want or by using our fists to to hurt or to murder, well, we're having dominance. We're having some twisted version of dominion but we're doing it in our own timing and we're doing it in the quickest way possible totally and in a way that makes people fear us and it's not what god intended whenever he put us in the garden to be able to cultivate to be able to produce from the land Mm -hmm. good things to eat that's a different type of dominion than just taking what you want because that type of dominion takes time it's slow, it's intentional, but violence is a very fast way to get what you want. Totally. Well, and the repercussions of it are massive, right? So I, I, violence is something that we'll continue to talk about because violence is also used in the Bible uh, like for war and conquest and different things that happen. So it's not like this is a— Yeah, later a, on down the road, we're going to see God bless the Israelites and give them uh, uh, victories through war and even— you know, tell them to go wipe out a people group. Yeah. There is intense violence throughout the rest of the Bible right? and today. So this is a theme that we're going to have to continue to talk about, and right now we're talking about in the context of the story now. So we'll continue to evolve this theme as we continue to talk about it. Um, while we're here, violence, right, usually has two repercussions on the person that violence is being enacted on, right? So you're either going to have somebody... Um, that whenever the violence is enacted on them, they will then enact violence on other people mm-hmm. or they will become like very timid yeah. and they will kind of like feel like everything is their fault, that, that this is somehow their responsibility that violence has been enacted on right. them. I deserved this. Right. And so, and again, this is just very basic, right, that I'm explaining this. There are other variations of how people can respond. Um, but just to help us give a baseline understanding – we talked a little bit about like how those that have violence enacted upon them will enact violence on other people. That's, you know, that's something we already talked a little bit about. Mm-hmm. Now let's look at this other end of the spectrum, right? Where you have people that have had violence enacted on them and they become really timid. They become really shy. They become really closed off. So you're looking at two people that are not fully able to come into themselves. People that are more violent, uh, they have smaller, uh, you know, cognitive development in their prefrontal cortex. This means that they cannot fully become the person that they are meant to be. Doesn't mean that that's cut off forever, but that is an early developmental thing that ends up happening, uh, which is one of the reasons why they turn to violence quickly, mm-hmm. right? It's why they have less patience. Mm-hmm. Those are thankfully all skills that can be developed. Right. Um, the brain can change their, you know, mm-hmm. neuroplasticity is a word to describe how the brain changes. We can make new uh, neurons connect in different ways. Um, but 
when you give into violence so quickly, like you said, we're mostly just enacting our uh, amygdala, right? Mm-hmm. Our fight, flight, freeze response uh, when we fear that we're not going to get the thing that we want. And so well, let's fight for it. Let's push. And that leaves us less open to developing the mental and spiritual muscles that we need so that that prefrontal cortex can actually function the way it was meant to. Totally. Well, and then again, you have that other side, right? Where timidity ends up happening and shyness and reclusiveness because at the end of the day, that person's also not able to fully be themselves. They are going to learn that providing their input in relationships is not a good idea. And they're going to learn that sometimes them talking doesn't work out well for them. So it's just better off for them to not speak. So, so they shut down or they flee, totally. which again is a function of the amygdala and that prefrontal cortex is not being developed as it was intended to. And both people, do they feel like they have safety? Absolutely not. No. But they show it in very different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I work with couples a lot. I see this all the time and act out in my sessions. This doesn't mean that. There's a lot of physical violence or emotional violence that's happening. Sometimes it's something that has happened to them while growing up mm-hmm. or it's happened to them with siblings or anything right. like that. So we develop these tactics. And, you know, there are so many different things or so many different formats that this could take place. Um, and it could even take place, like, you know, on the Internet where, like, you are calling somebody – uh, stupid for an opinion that they may have, depending on how they take that in and how they conceptualize that in their own worldview. So there is a lot of ways that emotional abuse and physical abuse can change people, and it's going to change the way they react to things. And like you know, so for us, like as we're kind of reading through this, this is the kind of corruption that God is seeing in the land. And you know, none of us were back there during this time. So we don't really know how far along that this got to where, I mean, God being a, uh, being a being, right, mm-hmm. that can see and see these possibilities, see into the future, understand things that are beyond our comprehension, could have probably easily seen what was going to happen if this was allowed. And it's important for us to understand that generationally, we have come from societies, we have come from people where physical abuse, emotional abuse is commonplace. Mm-hmm. And now in our modern era, we're starting to understand a lot of these different things and starting to make different choices. And you know, So I, I think that it's so interesting, right? You talk about that. People are like, oh, gosh, things just used to be so much better. And, you know, I'm kind of one of those people. It's like, I don't believe you. Uh, I, I don't I think know. it's always been yeah. bad. <laughs> totally. Yes. Um, but, you know, people have, it's been bad because people have not been speaking up. People have not been recognizing these things. People haven't been talking about these things. Mm-hmm. So does it create more conflict and uncomfortable feelings? Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, if we don't have these types of conversations, then we're not going to be on any type of righteous path. Right? Right. We're not going to be able to make those decisions because we're going to be unaware of the things that we're doing, even yep. unconsciously, that are just perpetuating yeah. some of the issues. And studies have been done, right, to learn these things about relationships, to learn these things about the brain and what it looks like to develop the pre- 
frontal cortex more and actually name things and have conversations and talk about the fear and mm-hmm. slow that part down a little bit so that we can actually understand what our true desire is and how can we try to get that need met in a healthier way. You know, these studies have been done to actually begin to name healthier activities and functions that we can do in our daily lives and our relationships to bring more stability and mental health. And surprise, it falls directly in line with what scripture has been telling us from the very beginning. God doesn't like violence. (laughs) Right. It's not his intention or plan. That's just one small portion of that truth that we see come out in in evidence-based approaches mm. today and evidence-based research right. and studies. Well, and I think there's even just uh, another point for us to make here. God's about to do something awful uh, in our yeah. eyes, right? It, it's easy for us to look at the flood as an egregious act. And that's okay for us to look at it that way. There are many things that yeah. you should see in the Bible that should yeah. that should keep you up, that should um, kind of cause this churning in your stomach. You should wrestle with. Yeah. Because the truth is that a righteous path is not an easy path, and we have to come to terms with certain things about like our own selves. We have to come to terms about what, what was happening during this time period. Um, so like this should be something that you struggle with mm-hmm. and it shouldn't just be, you know, cut and dry. Right. We should weep for what happened here. Yeah, right. God does. Yes. He yeah. says, I'm sorry. I am grieved in my heart. That's the language used. Right. And we can easily, I think, fly through that passage and just read it as words. But whenever we consider it as a genuine emotion coming from a divine creator, his heart is broken. Right. So, like, for us, the flood, this decreation that's getting ready to happen, to try to wipe out this corruption, we have to learn something about this. That, like, for us, whenever we become corrupted ourselves in sin, for us, this means there has to be a certain time where we can kind of identify it. And we can work to eliminate that from our life. This is not something that's easy. In fact, I mean, gosh, we see here that God calls a flood that that wipes out all mm-hmm. these people. Um, it's, so it's clearly not easy. Uh, but God will actually continue to introduce smaller stories of decreation uh, to kind of help us understand that this corruption that happens, it doesn't affect just us as a single person. It will also affect people. It will get multiplied throughout the Bible to societies, to world, to people groups, to culture, and different things like that. So for us, being able to kind of sit here and recognize that we have these callings of our flesh, and part of our responsibility is to be able to contend with those and to recognize them as a corrupting element, that doesn't mean that you know, it doesn't mean that it's not normal, because it is. All of us have these desires, right? I want some Skittles right now, even when I was talking about it, mm-hmm. you know, it just kind of going to like a joking thing. Mm-hmm. But even just not, right? Uh, even if I go to, you know, my son did something to morning that, this morning that whew, it really made me mad. You know, I'm, I'm sitting there, um, you know, I wake up and, 
you know, I'm sitting there having my morning coffee and I'm sitting there responding to an email and he goes up and slaps my phone out of my hand. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a strong urge. It's uh, funny now, but yeah, in that moment, a strong I mean, urge in that moment, just to want to enact some type of violence, even if it's not physical violence, mm-hmm. right? Even if it's just like saying, you know, like, you know, just calling him name or, or mm-hmm. something like that. Or just yelling, just totally, shouting him down. Totally. Right. It's, um, it's tempting. Yeah, and, and so like those are things that we're called to be able to contend with and recognize in ourselves. Yep. That that is the corrupting part that God's talking about and or at least a piece of it. And so for us being able to recognize that those go-to things are what we need to push against. The other day I had my son up in his booster seat. We were doing lunch or something. And you know, he has this sippy cup full of milk and he throws it on the ground and <clears throat> it explodes and milk splatters everywhere. And man, mess stresses me out. I will be upfront about that. And something I'm working on, I'm trying to improve of being okay with some of the chaos. Whenever you have a, a toddler running around, he's 19 months right now at the time of this recording. And, you know, I kind of in frustration yelled, right? Now I have to clean this up. Why'd you do that? Don't do that. And in that moment, my wife caught me. She said, Matt, don't shame him. And in that moment, it gripped my heart. Even now, I feel like I'm being close to to tears here as I think about this. Because I've been shamed for making messes. And it sucks. And to know that, man, I was doing that to my son as well. Yeah. Well, and... How big a deal? This is something that's been done to you. Yeah. And so generationally, you might do the same thing to your son. Yeah. And the beautiful thing, though, is we don't have to leave the mess there. And I don't mean the the milk mess. I mean the emotional Mm -hmm. mess. And when my son is able to understand, and now even whenever he's not fully able to understand, but I can actually repair that. Yeah. And I can move towards him and I can apologize. I get to do the same thing with my wife. Sometimes it's it's harder. Sometimes it's mm-hmm. easier. But we have these moments in our closest relationships where we step on toes, where we enact some sense of violence against the other person that we love. And for us to be quick to repair that, to apologize, mm-hmm. to name, hey, that wasn't okay for me to do. It it frustrated me it annoyed me but my response was not okay and i need to learn how to better regulate and handle my own emotions because what came out wasn't about you it really wasn't right it was about me what was going on in my heart well and how different that response is than the Mm -hmm. initial one yeah right it's a big deal Mm -hmm. like us being able to kind of move towards some of these parts in ourselves, these natural inclinations that we may have, and to be able to look at them, and to be able to try to figure out, okay, does this feel like this gets me a little towards like being more righteous or not? Mm-hmm. And often we're not going to like what we see. Yeah. But yeah, this it means we have to look in a mirror and look at our mm-hmm. our own corruption. Right. And the thing is, it gets easier and easier. Right, because as we see that we are making moves to address it, 
we get to actually take that space to feel a little better about ourselves mm-hmm. that we are able to make a change and really that we don't have to enact the same things yeah on our kids on our family on our friends that has been that have Absolutely. been enacted on us and that's very hard to do but it is one of the most important ways that we get to break these generational chains. Mm-hmm. Incredibly difficult. And you're, we're still going to wind up doing harm, but we get to make it look a little bit better and a little bit better right. with each moment that we repair, with each moment that we humble ourselves and we think more about the harm that we've done to another person than we think about ourselves. And we prioritize the impact that we've had over our intention Mm -hmm. even if we didn't mean to hurt well we still they felt very hurt so if i can move towards them and repair and express my sorrow ask for forgiveness Mm -hmm. i think until the day we die we're going to be working on that still but we might get a little faster and a little quicker at being able to move to that place of repair Mm -hmm. and going through the process of actually repairing I think you're right. Yeah. I hope that you guys found this episode helpful. Um, we'll continue this conversation because it's going to be another theme that will continue to show up. Not only the violence part, but also this repair part, this moving towards vulnerability. It's important for us to understand now as we are trying to break some of these things that have happened generationally. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, we appreciate that you're listening to this podcast and that you're even interested in this type of thing. You are doing the very thing that is hard to do. And that is just listening and taking in and gaining some awareness of things that are going on. This isn't easy and it's not a popular thing to do Mm -hmm. really. Um, So again, thank you for listening to Mental Health Insights in the Bible. If you find this episode helpful, please share it with other people. Talk to other people about it. Um, You know, give us a a review so other people can find our podcast. We'd appreciate that. And we look forward to talking to you all next time. Yep. Take care, guys. Thank you for listening to Mental Health Insights in the Bible. This podcast is conducted by two licensed professionals in mental health counseling But this podcast is not meant to provide medical or legal advice and is not a substitute for personal counseling. The song in our podcast is called Indie Folk by Alexi Action, found on Pixabay. If you are listening to this and feel that you may be a harm to yourself or others, please reach out to Professional because we believe your life is worth it.